Hi, I'm Lucas. And I'm Brian. And this is the Quacks Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. Today I have on Dr. Garrett Smith. He's a naturopathic doctor in Tucson, Arizona. So my idea for this episode was to kind of circle back around to the whole theory of vitamin A toxicity. I don't know if you heard it, but I interviewed Grant Genru uh, last year around episode 26, which was actually the first ever interview on the show. Uh, The theory that vitamin A is a poison, it was just at the time starting to gain traction. Uh, People were experimenting with different supplements, different diets. And so it's been about a year since that interview. So what's happened in that time? You know, what has been discovered? Are any, any new breakthroughs? Well, I decided to get Dr. Garrett Smith on. He, he was one of the first ones who really adopted this whole vitamin A toxicity and put it into his practice. Uh, so he's one of the only doctors who I know who actually uses it on his patients. So hopefully he can give us a really good update. The thing I find interesting about Dr. Smith is that I don't think I've ever talked to anyone who elicits such extreme reactions from people. So some some people, they love his work. It's really simple and direct. And some people think, you know, it just it glosses over important critiques. Uh, they don't like it. So just let me know what you think about it. Send me a message or something like that. Now, we spend the first 10 or 15 minutes talking about hair mineral testing, uh, which he uses extensively in his practice. So... Just to give a quick intro on that, if you don't know what that is, hair mineral testing, it's different than doing a drug test using your hair or a DNA test or or anything like that. It was started by this guy uh, named Dr. Dr. Paul Eck, and he started in the 1970s. So he would test the mineral levels in people's hair. So like calcium, sodium, magnesium, potassium, uh, a lot of the other minerals, and and even the the toxic ones. Uh, So mercury, lead, arsenic, that kind of thing. So he would test their hair mineral levels, and he started noticing that certain minerals would rise and fall depending on uh, the health of the patient. He also started noticing that patients with certain conditions would show consistent mineral ratios in their hair. So maybe someone with hypothyroidism would have, you know, a certain ratio of calcium to potassium, uh, that kind of thing. Now, where it became interesting is when Dr. X started to treat people with minerals and other supplements designed to influence the ratios of minerals in their hair. Uh, So he developed a whole science, basically, treating people, uh, treating their hair ratios with, with different supplements. And so today, there are several labs that offer hair mineral testing, and you can get uh, supplement recommendations based on whatever your labs say. Now, the success or failure of those recommendations tends to vary from life-changing, uh, oh my gosh, this works so much, to this does not work at all, or this makes me feel terrible. What I like about Dr. Smith is he is unique in that he uses hair mineral testing in conjunction with other blood tests and modalities. Uh, most hair mineral practitioners, they just stick with hair testing. That's all they do. They try and fit every disease into that paradigm. And if your disease is one of the ones that it works with, you know, good for you. If not, you you could be stuck for a while trying something that doesn't work. Uh, Dr. Smith, he's kind of figured out what hair testing can help with and what it doesn't help with, which I like. Anyways, that should get you uh, up to speed for now. Enjoy the show. 
Dr. Garrett Smith, thank you so much for being on the podcast, man. Welcome. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So let's get started. I know we got a ton of stuff to get through. Uh, before we jump in, I just want to make a quick announcement. You know, if you haven't listened to the old uh, Grant Jenneru episode, I believe that was episode uh, 26. If you haven't listened to episode 26, go ahead and listen to that because it's going to give you a little bit of the background. We're not really going to get too much into uh, his kind of origin story of how he discovered vitamin A as a toxin. So that would be really good background for anyone who might be confused about some of the things we talk about in this episode. So uh, before we get into that, thanks for being on the show, Dr. Smith. Can you just tell us a bit about yourself and what you do? Well, I'm, I'm a licensed naturopathic physician in the state of Arizona, and I've uh, been doing this for, gosh, going on 15 years now. And uh, my specialty is what, what we call clinical nutrition, which is one of, the, one of the basic things we learn in naturopathic school or the basic areas that we learn, which is the treatment of disease through nutrition, through, through targeted, you know, clinical nutrition. And I do, I do a lot of hair testing and blood testing because the two of them, well, it's the right tool for the right job. You know, the, the hair test is good for certain minerals and blood tests are necessary for other minerals like iron. That's why they'll have, you know, four different tests for iron on the same thing because it's, very challenging to see iron um, any with any direction with any with any test. So anyway, but I do I work with people worldwide um, through things like Skype and Zoom, and um, we use Google Drive a lot to to transmit. You know, we give people their online folders, private folders online, so they can we can share the uh, documentation and all that with everybody. But yeah, I, I kind of do my thing here down here in Tucson, Arizona, and uh, yeah, I think that covers it. All right. So when Grant's theory kind of came up, you know, this whole vitamin A is a toxin and it, you know, started getting traction and people started talking about it. You were really one of the first ones just to like grab onto it and really implement it into your practice. And, and I remember at the time I had read some of your stuff about hair testing and iron and calcium and stuff. And, and you just really jumped into this vitamin A is a toxin <laughs> thing. So what were the factors that really went into that decision? Well, I'm always looking to Im improve what I do and I always tend to I always tend to feel like there might be something missing. I mean, it's just always it's just, you know, constant improvement is the goal, right? Um and I always felt like there that you know, when you hear the alternative world talk these days, the alternative health and they'll say, "Oh, it's the gut biome. Oh, it's the candida. Oh, it's the heavy metals. Oh, it's the solvents. Oh, it's glyphosate. Oh, it's this and this and oh, it's your it's your MTHFR gene and whatever gene is the flavor of the week that's causing everybody's problems. And I started thinking health should not be this difficult. You know, people mm -hmm. shouldn't have to go in and do $2,000 worth of stool tests, urine tests, blood tests, hair tests, um, you know, all sorts of weird testing that they have these days that gets you know, you can pay as much as you want for testing. It's like my dad used to tell me about skiing. It's like you can put in as much money as you want. Um, <laughs> and uh, it just something was always bugging me. Like there had to be something that was linking just about all of it. I, you know, I'm not going to say vitamin A causes everything because obviously if, if the simple example is if somebody's mercury poisoned, well, that's not vitamin A toxicity. That's mercury poisoning. Um, but what I do tell people is if you have vitamin A toxicity on top of that, it's going to make it worse. Um so 
I got into it because I had some clients, some long-term, this was back before I was doing a lot of the blood testing. I was doing mainly hair testing. That's kind of my, that's kind of the way a lot of people know me is, is, is for kind of shaking up the hair analysis world Hmm. because I, I kind of took what I learned in hair analysis and what little information the labs actually share with you about how to, how they, because normally most people who do hair analysis, they simply get, they get the lab from, they get the lab results and the lab gives them recommendations for supplements that the lab sells, specific dosing, you know, AM, lunch, PM. Yep. And the, the only place you can get the supplements generally is from the lab and they tell you what to take and they don't tell you why. They kind of give you a little explanation of like, oh, your magnesium's deficient. But then they don't even tell you which supplement you're taking is the one that's supposed to address that. You know, so there's there was very one of the things I all I never liked about hair analysis because I did my first hair analysis, I think back in 2003 when I was in medical school, because I was reading about it and it was talking about, I read this book from, I forget the author's name, but he was a Cairo and a naturopathic doctor. And he was saying, you know, hair analysis is it. And you want individualized nutrition. And I, I thought it was all a great idea. So I did a couple tests. And the, the thing I thought at the time was I saw my numbers on the test improve, but because of their super what I, what I felt was I look back on now and it was a super restrictive diet. I actually got worse. I didn't feel any better. And so I didn't continue it. I did two hair tests and then I, I ditched it. Are you talking about Dr. Lawrence, uh, William? No, not Dr. L- not, not Dr. Lawrence Wilson and, uh, ARL. I'm talking about, uh, Dr. Watts okay. and trace elements. So I, I still use trace elements and I've emailed with Dr. Watts. I, I disagree with them on their treatment approaches which is, you know, what doctors don't disagree with each other on treatment approaches. But um, what I kind of did was I started looking at the hair tests and my own hair tests. And I started doing my own hair test every month because I have very short hair. You know, I, I basically use clippers to cut off all my hair once, once a month about. And so I just started sending in a hair test every month. And I started reverse engineering the recommendations based on the hair test. So I could kind of tell why they were doing certain things when certain things were come, would come up. I took a hair analysis course from Dr. Uh, Rick Malter. It's kind of the very, it's like the basic training of, of hair testing, his basic course. And then I, and then I basically gave, gave up all the assumptions that they had been making. And I said, let's just kind of start over and see what does what, um, and I found out that a lot of the things that had been assumed in the hair analysis world were completely wrong and that we had to look, we had to look a bit longer term. That's one of the things I tend to, to you, you tend to have to do in the vitamin A toxicity world was you have to look long term. And that leads me to the next thing. So I had some clients who, you know, we were doing their hair analysis stuff and we got them a lot better. But then they, so they were with me for a couple of years going on that, you know, a year, two, three and then all of a sudden they start saying, you know, my hair's like kind of thinning and I'm feeling a little more tired and do you know what's going on? And back then, based on what I, what I was taught in hair analysis and what I did actually witness to work on hair analysis in the short term was I was giving people vitamin A supplements. I mean, it went from times of using liver supplements as a source of vitamin A to using actual retinal palmitate as a source of vitamin A and I dosed it based on the hair test. What I was taught was that using vitamin A on a hair test will bring down the hair calcium level. Cause a lot of people have super high hair calcium levels and it did work in that way. 
But when I would change the dose of the vitamin A and I would take people, let's say their calcium comes down a lot. I would take them off the vitamin A. Their hair calcium would bounce back up. Not, not as high as it was before, but it would bounce back up. And then I would change their dose, adjust their dose. And we would basically go until we got their calcium down to where we wanted it. And then I, then I'd really ramp back on the vitamin A. Um, but what I saw over the years, even though people's calcium was staying pretty good, was they started getting these, what, what looked like thyroid symptoms, you know, hypothyroid symptoms. And hmm. I was going, something's, something's not right. And I was trying to do what I knew. And then there were, then the other thing that really got me was I had a couple of women. It was specifically women where I would give them vitamin A and their hair calcium would not respond at all. They were just stuck up and they up in like the two hundreds. And to tell you where I want them, I want people around a 40 on a hair test for calcium. And these women were, were hovering in the two hundreds, low two hundreds. And I could not bring them down. Wow. And I started, you know, I, I, one of the, I'm, I'm big on philosophy. I, I love having a strong philosophy of practice because that answers your questions for you. And obviously the first one being first do no harm. And that's why I try to do all my work with essential nutrients. I'm trying to give people, you know, vitamins and minerals and food to fix their stuff, not, you know, strange supplements that, you know, are not naturally occurring in the human body or, or, or I never, I always say people don't have an herb deficiency. I've never heard of an herb deficiency. So herbs are not fixing anything. They're, they're covering symptoms and maybe tweaking the system a little bit, but they're not fixing anything. So those women who stayed high and then the people who would, who would over the years were getting symptoms. And I was saying something is missing and I had no idea what it was. And then one, one day I was on Facebook and Matt Stone of 180degreehealth.com, he posted about, Hey, the Grant Genru and vitamin A toxicity. And I think you guys should check this out. And I was kind of like, uh, okay. You know what I do with new health ideas. I, I mean, I'm very much an early adopter. So it sounds like you had some clients who were kind of running into a wall and you yeah. didn't have something to really, you didn't have anywhere to go with them. And so this, the vitamin A came along and, and it kind of was an explanation that fit. Well, it, I mean, it was, I started reading grants for, well, so I saw the first post from Matt and I kind of said, you know what, if I hear about this again, I'll, I'll look into it. If it, you know, if it's not a flash in the pan, cause this is pretty crazy, you know, vitamin A is a poison. It's a vitamin, right? That's, I mean, I thought the same thing that everybody else did. So I just kind of left it alone. And then I think a month or two later, Matt wrote a blog post on his website about vitamin A toxicity. And he really logically linked a couple things together that when I, when I see good logic and things make sense and it hits me like a ton of bricks, I'm like, whoa, I got to look into this more. I read about half of Grant's first book, pushed away from the computer and it was one of those big realizations of like, oh my gosh, I have to change everything I'm doing. <laughs> and and I, that's, when I, that's when I started jumping in. I started doing my own research and putting it together in my own way because that's what I have to do to, you know, I, I can read somebody else's stuff and go, wow, that's a great idea. Now I have to go establish it for myself. And I, I went through the research and I was going, oh, wow, this is, this is really bad because I, I simply realized the thing that the thing that you cannot have at the same time is you cannot have vitamin A as an essential nutrient. And once you learn about the toxicity of it, it cannot also be such a poison. It, it just cannot exist in both worlds. There is nothing that is essential and is also a poison. I mean, the thing I'll come back to is that 
there was a supposed scientist in 1974 that the report was in the New York Times where he in 10 days he killed himself with about 100,000 units of vitamin A a day supplements and a gallon of carrot juice a day. Hmm. He killed himself in 10 days. What other vitamin could you ever say you could kill yourself with in 10 days? Yeah, that's amazing. It's it's the only there's only two known neurotoxic vitamins that from this is from vitamin neurotoxicity. Uh, this, the paper is called, I believe, and uh, there's only two neurotoxic vitamins. One is vitamin A and one is vi- vitamin B6. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I urge people to be really careful with B6 too unless they want like a diabetic neuropathy type issue on their hands and their feet potentially. Um, but anyway, so I, I just got into it and because I was already experienced with realizing vitamin D supplements were toxic and taking too much calcium will ruin people – and cod liver oil was a poison. It was just lo- finding something else that it all started to fit into my my theory, my my framework of people are getting poisoned. That is why we have such bad health today. We are getting poisoned, and and if we think about it, the the hardest poisons to figure out would be the ones that people think are actually good for them. So you you basically you're seeing hey you know we're poisoning ourselves with this and you're starting to get some of your clients on this what what did you first find when you first started getting your clients on it I mean obviously some of them probably did amazingly well some not so much yeah there's a there's a whole range of of responses to it because it all I mean it's a it's a poison on the way in but our body's very good at storing it in the liver and that's where the body puts it in the liver it's not storing it there for a rainy day. It's storing it there because in the blood is where it's the most toxic and where it causes the most damage and the most neurological symptoms and the most heart symptoms. And the body has to get it out of the blood. You always want to think of the body wants to protect the the stability and the sanctity of the blood. And so it will pull things out of it. Like that's why it takes mercury out of the blood and puts it into the soft tissues. It's not because the mercury hunts out the soft tissues like the brain it's because the body simply needs it out of the blood so it doesn't affect your heart and kill you. Uh, the, my saying is the body will always choose the slow death over the quick death. Yeah, that's survival. <laughs> right. And so your body's constantly making these choices. So some people with the vitamin A stuff, they would immediately like they, – they would just stop the vitamin A and they say, wow, this feels better and oh, this feels better. And then some people were, were going, wait, I kind of stopped that and I – I don't feel good. Like the symptoms I already had are kind of worse. And, um, and then, I mean, when you go into the literature and you see that it takes a minimum of about two years to deplete vitamin A from, from a liver. And I had been supplementing these people with vitamin A or liver pills. And all of a sudden within, within a day or two or a week, they're saying, wait, I feel worse. There's no way they were deficient. So the only explanation could have been that it was, it was coming back out. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a good thing because and and that's what I wanted to ask you about because you know when I talked to Grant about a year ago, people were just kind of getting this inkling that maybe doing this low vitamin A diet was not as uh, you know straightforward because you know the way Grant presented it was hey I got off this vitamin A and my health has just slowly improved you know right. every day for the last six years. <laughs> And that's that's great for him, but a lot of people were getting these, you know, so-called detox symptoms. So what what has occurred in the last year that to really understand that better? Okay, there's. Let me give you the analogy here. I I, I often call it the bathtub analogy, which is where. So if you imagine a bath, the bathtub is your liver. 
Okay, the bathtub is the storage area. So when you put water in the bathtub, right, it doesn't hurt the rest of your house. You don't want water floating around in the rest of your house because then you get mold and rot and all that stuff. So as long as the water stays in the bathtub, you're good. So that's the liver, right? The drain is, that's the processing of the, of the, of the toxins that your liver does. So it's moving it along, right? Because that, that leads to the drain pipe. We have to realize that getting the water out of your house, there's the bath, there's the drain plug, and there's the drain pipe. And if the drain plug is not working or is partially closed, it's not going to drain very fast. But if your drain pipe is not removing the water from your house, everything stops. And one of the biggest discoveries I made in this last six months even was how to get that drain pipe running. Because otherwise, you open up that drain plug all the way and the water just sits there if the drain pipe's not moving. Hmm. So anyway, the, what, what Grant did... Grant turned off the faucet to the bathtub, right? The faucet was vitamin A coming in. Grant turned off eating vitamin A. Okay. So you still have the water in the bathtub. The body's natural detox processes, which is what I call the DH system, the dehydrogenase system, which involves alcohol dehydrogenase and aldehyde dehydrogenase. And then you look in certain studies, they'll call it, people don't realize that retinol is an alcohol, just like ethanol, what we what people drink is an alcohol. And then alcohol turns into acetaldehyde. That's what gives people hangovers. And retinol turns into retinaldehyde. That, that is what gives people um, retinopathy. Uh, that's one of the side effects of uh, hydroxychloroquine. Hydroxychloroquine, one of the things it does is it blocks ALDH. So it will build up retinaldehyde in the in the system, and that will cause the neuro the retinopathy that is common for the uh, quine drugs, the chloroquine, hydroxychloroquine, mefloquine, hmm. and that's that's been talked about before. But anyway, so where were we? Oh, so the de the dehydrogenase system is think of that as the processing of vitamin A. Okay, we can process it. We can figure out what what I figured out is there's things that I figured out a lot of the things that are often thought to be healthy, but are actually slowing down the dehydrogenase system. And the weird thing about vitamin A is if you block up the detox of it, in the early days you can feel better. But over time, things just get worse because you just keep building up more and more in your liver and in your tissues and your system, and eventually it's going to come out. But if you speed up the processing too fast, then you make too much retinoic acid, and most people know about the toxicity of retinoic acids by knowing how toxic retinoic acid, I mean, uh, retin-A is, uh, accutane, tretinoin, isotretinoin, these all trans-retinoic acid or ATRA. Um, people know about the, the pharmaceutical side effects of these drugs. They are retinoic acids. And your body, every molecule of vitamin A that you eat is going to end up as one of those retinoic acids. So when you eat vitamin A, you are basically making some Accutane in your body. You are making some Retin-A in your body. And then that is there to do what the medical uses we know of retinoic acid are. We know that it, it's used as a chemical face peel. You know, you can melt your face off with um, retinoic acid. Uh, it is used as a form of chemotherapy, and I've never heard of chemotherapy being talked about as being healthy. And, uh, you know, my dad died from the fifth round of chemotherapy. 
for his prostate cancer. Uh, and then it wasn't the, it wasn't the cancer that killed him. It was the chemo. Uh, and then we get into vitamin A as retinoic acid has also been studied as an adjuvant to vaccines, which means it is it is made to hyperstimulate the immune system. And I would guess that hyperstimulating the immune system is not because the immune system has run into something it likes. It's because it's run into something it has to defend against. So, so basically, some of these people you're saying have a good detoxification system and they can get rid of uh, this bathtub of vitamin A and some people don't. Or some people, it's too fast. Some people can speed it up. I mean, so, well, see, here's part of the problem. Uh, retinoic acid itself slows down ALDH. Your body does not like retinoic acid. So the more, so you have to make, you have to convert into retinoic acid to get rid of it through the bile. But if you make it too fast and you reabsorb it, it's called enterohepatic circulation, which is where you reabsorb stuff from the bile into your bloodstream. Retinoic acid can't go anywhere. Retinoic acid, once it's made, it's made and it, and it's, it's poison. And then it's floating around your bloodstream before it comes back around to the liver again for, for your liver to try to dump it again. So this enterohepatic circulation is the most important concept because 95% of the time, 95% of the bile, if you do not eat enough of the right kinds of fiber, you will reabsorb 95% of your bile. So the main route of getting rid of vitamin A through the poop is through the bile. Hmm. So if you reabsorb 95% of what your body's trying to poop out, do you see how you don't go very far? And this is, this is the problem because of people's dietary choices. A lot of people in the start of, of Grant's, you know, of, of what they read from Grant was they were doing lots of white rice. Mm. And white rice causes disease all by itself. I do not recommend, I mean, white rice is, you know, can kind of be like ice cream. People could have it on occasion. It's not meant to be an everyday thing, but white rice causes beriberi. You can go and thiamine deficiency, B1 deficiency, neurological symptoms. It could kill somebody if they did it long. That's, that's part of what alcoholics get is B1 deficiency. Um, so beriberi, Grant was doing about half white rice. He didn't write about it as clearly as that in his books, but he was doing about half white rice, half brown rice, and some beans and some meat. And well, a fair amount of meat, his diet now with, here's the crazy thing about Grant's diet, um, with everything I have learned about, I mean, and he's been eating beef or bison and pinto beans and a mix of, you know, about a half and half mixture, you know, switching days of white and brown rice for going on six years now. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, that's it's amazing. You know, that would kind of make me want to just end it all <laughs> right. if I had to eat the same food every day. But he's doing it for science. He's doing it to prove he wants to eat this diet for 10 years so that when he, you know, after 10 years, he can definitively say, based on his experiment of one, that humans do not need any vitamin A at all. That's that's his goal. Yeah. And for those who don't know, those foods have very little vitamin A, if if any. Right, right. And I commend him for that. The thing that he didn't know when he chose this diet at the start was that every single aspect of the dehydrogenase system in terms of not slowing it down and he included the right kinds of fiber in his diet, he basically designed in those three foods and, and he has an apple like once every two weeks, right? Yep. So 
people think you need vitamin C. And I go, well, there's not a lot of vitamin C in beans and meat and um, rice and an apple every two weeks. So apparently he's not getting scurvy either at the six-year mark. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Scurvy's a whole nother topic. Scurvy is vitamin A toxicity. I've got the research. It's in my it's in my network in the advanced detox program where I go over all the uh, go over all the uh, research connecting it. Wow, even that's back interesting. To, uh, even back to the sailors' diets of the of the fifteen and sixteen hundreds, showing that it it was all things point to vitamin A toxicity and not a deficiency of ascorbic acid. Hmm. But anyway. It's so Grant designed a basically perfect diet and people want to believe that he just got better, you know, right away. And he actually, I believe from my, my chats with him, he comes on my, um, on my, what I call my inner circle broadcast, my, my private video group in the network. He comes on with me about once a month. So we, we chat a lot and we chat over email and we're both in contact with Anthony Mawson, who's like the, the head researcher of legit, you know, review papers talking, showing vitamin A toxicity um, in the research hmm. and his papers are, if you can handle the scientific slog through them, they're, they're brilliant. Um, so anyway, we have our little three man, three man group where we can throw questions at each other when we have them. Um, so, so Grant, yeah, back to Grant, he, he made this great diet you were saying of, of these three foods yes. and there wasn't a lot of fiber in that diet. So no, there, there was enough of the right types. Okay, because what, what, what I, I was hearing say. you say was basically there's these people who are not doing well on the low vitamin A diet, and it's because they're not eating the right kinds of fibers. They're, there's not, they're not getting enough of the right kinds of fibers, and often they're, if, like if they're picking white rice, I mean, white rice, white, there are people out there, I've heard of this, and so has Grant, who are trying to do their vitamin A detox diet, and they're eating like white rice and white bread. Oh. And then, you know, anybody who knows anything about nutrition hears those foods and they go, oh, that's not going to end well. Yeah, oh, ouch. You know, whether it's low in vitamin A or not, I mean, you can do a dumb diet any, any way. I mean, the best way to do it would be to eat all processed foods, right? Yeah. I always tell people, like, I mean, processed foods runs the gamut. There's white sugar, there's white flour. People think that collagen is some wonderful thing. And I go, they took a protein and they turned it into a white crystalline powder. How, how much less processed is that than sugar, right? It's just, it's just amino acids in a crystalline form. It's, it's, it's the most highly processed protein you could eat. So I just, I like to break these kind of ideas of like, people think, well, it's protein. It's okay. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. it's a highly processed food. So is there anything other than the diet aspect that might make people not detoxify vitamin A? Well, I mean, is there a genetic component or a lifestyle component there? So well, we get into, there are genetic components, like as, as an example, uh, I have a paper on autism, uh, kids with autism, and they found that they had a slower ADH gene than, than controls. Hmm. I have a paper on, well, there's, there's the, have you ever heard of the, I mean, it's, they call it the, um, the Asian flush, or most people are familiar with this and some people call it an alcohol allergy, but the Asian flush is like 50% of Asians have a deficiency in their ALDH2 gene, which means that the most common uh, manifestation of this is that an Asian flush is not a racist term. You can go in the science and type in Asian flush and it's, it's like a legit scientific term. Yeah, it's, you know, uh, they can't handle alcohol as, as well. Right, as, right. Uh, and so they, they, they turn all red 
and you mm-hmm. know they they get they get very drunk very quickly. Um, and what that is is they they can't turn the um, acetaldehyde into acetic acid, so they just build up retina. I mean, they build up acetaldehyde in their system, and they they get all this. They get really bad hangovers. They get all the you know the flushing and all that stuff from the acetaldehyde. And so what that also means is they would not detox vitamin A well. So there's there's genetic connections to ADH. There's genetic connections to ALDH. There's the the gene for the enzyme that that cleaves that turns beta carotene into retinaldehyde. People think it, it turns into retinol, and they're actually wrong. It turns it into it, one beta carotene turns into two retinaldehydes. Hmm. Well, so if you have that gene, if that gene doesn't run well, you'll build up carotenoids, and people think that carotenoids are harmless. And I would say, well. The studies on keratinemia, which is the, the the state of having high carotenoids in the blood, is associated with things like hypothyroidism and diabetes and all sorts of diseases that we have today. So I don't know that carotenoids are quite as innocent as people think. Um, but so so there are breaks in it. Then if people were not if they were not making bile well hmm. for whatever reason, they they wouldn't be able to poop it out because um, they wouldn't be pushing it that way. Uh, Kidney function. The problem is the problem with all of these things is I could show you. I mean, Grant's big thing that he goes over in his books was kidney. You know, kidney. He was heading towards kidney failure. Yeah, chronic kidney disease. So we can see that vitamin A and and his kidney tests. He is the only person who his nephrologists, his kidney doctors, have said has ever fully recovered from chronic kidney disease. They've never seen anybody else do it before. So in their practice. Mm-hmm. So he fixed that. So we know it affects the kidneys. We know it affects the liver. We know it affects the skin. I mean, we know all these organs that it affects. So it makes sense to me that the more damaged your liver gets, the slower your liver detoxes, right? I mean, it's just, it's damaged. The the more damaged your kidneys get, the slower they detox. So it's really like this vicious negative cycle Hmm. of, the more toxic you get, the slower you get at detoxing. I don't, you know, I, I, I think about it and I go, I don't know if Grant just perfectly designed his diet. He said there was nothing magical in what he chose. He just tried to pick things that he thought he could eat a lot of for a long time that were low in vitamin A. He's like, there was nothing magical in his decision. So I think there was some sort of influence somewhere, whether you want to think of it as divine inter- intervention or something that got him to pick it so that then I could reverse engineer what he ate and why it worked. I think he could have made it go faster now. With what I know now, he could have eaten more beans and it would have gone faster. But then also what we're finding is if, let's say, people eat too much of the right kind of fiber, they can speed it up too fast. So right now, I'm actually in the process of developing a kind of, not a, I don't like the word protocol, but almost like a flow chart of trying to find that sweet spot, the Goldilocks spot uh, for each person, which would be different, what they're watching for to figure out how to get the right amount of these things. Yeah. So one, one thing I want to ask you, um, I, I also did hair, hair mineral testing and I, I tried to do it under Dr. Uh, you know, Wilson. Um, and <laughs> okay. yeah, he, you know, he's for people who don't know, he's a bit of a whack job. He, he has a lot of uh, really interesting views 
And one of the things that he, you know, he had this whole diet I was on and, and all these supplements I was on and they made me feel terrible. And, you know, it was kind of like, hey, you're detoxing. It's okay. You're, uh-huh. you're getting out the mercury. You're getting out. And they had the, the hair test to show me. They're like, look, you know, you, your mercury's higher because it's exiting your body. And I, that was really cool. But I was feeling worse and worse and worse. And I remember one time I read an article that he had just put out and he was saying something like, you know, it could be 15 years before you get all of the the heavy metals out. And and I remember just reading that and going, there is no way in hell I am going to feel this bad for 15 years. And so I since that time I've always been a little skeptical of mm-hmm. claims of detox because I I yep. always think like okay, if it's detox, then we should have a time frame and, and we should see improvement because I don't want to get on the train of like, you know, if you feel bad, it's good. If you feel good, it's good. Like, right. you, you know, it's like, oh, you're feeling bad. Well, just give it another t- a year. Just give it another year. Give it another. So how is, how confident are you that this is not that situation? Well, okay. I, I've, I've treated clients from Dr. Wilson after he got them. Yeah, I'm sure you have. Um, he, he was a... Oh man, he was a piece I've of work. Had, some of them came to me saying they were on the brink of death or losing their marriage um, because of mental status stuff. So I don't have a lot of, well, and I would tell them, I would say, did you ever feel better? And they said, no. I said, how long were you doing that? And they'd be like, you know, one year or two years, two years straight of feeling like crap. Yep. Do more coffee enemas, <laughs> do more saunas, do more whatever. Well, I, I want, so what, what I tell people about when, when, when I'm talking about detox is that first of all, I, I, I'm very honest with what I do. And I tell people when they start, like, I mean, I just got two papers yesterday. There were papers showing that the vitamin A in the skin and the fat in the body fat could take up to three years to empty out. And so this is, these are multiple legit studies. Mm. And based on the amounts of vitamin A they have found in the liver compared to the excretion rates that they've measured, you know, of, of vitamin A coming out in the poop and the, um, and the urine, they, it's been shown that it could take anywhere from like two to five years to empty out your liver of vitamin A. But what I tell people about detox or retracing or a lot of these other concepts, because I do believe they're real. I do believe they happen. Um, but what I tell them is that along the, along the long term, you know, when you're looking at, if you were looking at six months, right, let's say you did this with Dr. Wilson for six months or somebody else did, or they're doing it with me and it was six months in, I would say at the end of that six months, you should be noticing that certain things are better or gone. You may still, you, you're not going to be all better at the end of six months, but you should have distinct things of like, for me, it was like, oh, the psoriasis on my knuckle is gone and it hasn't come back. Oh, I'm not having the nighttime urination where I used to have to pee five times before I could go to sleep. I don't have to do that anymore. Um, there's, there was multiple symptoms that improved, but I'm still dealing with what in, in my detox, I'm still, I believe I, one of the, we know that vitamin A is detox through the kidneys. When I go through a cycle for whatever reason, and I have, I have, oh, so let me tell you. Sauna, as an example, saunas Mm -hmm. will, heating the body will induce the breakdown of vitamin A from the skin and the subcutaneous tissues to go into the bloodstream. 
Does that mean it detoxes? See, this is the big thing that people don't have to understand. They have to understand. Putting stuff into the blood doesn't mean it was detoxed. It's just in the blood. Now it has to go to the liver. Yeah. Another quick example of this, I have a study on sled dogs. They had them exercise. They measured their vitamin A before they ran the sled dogs, and they measured their blood vitamin A after they ran them. And they found that their blood vitamin A was higher after exercise. Interesting. So uh, if you think about it, if you're squeezing the muscles and you're burning fatty tissue for exercise, if there's vitamin A in those muscles or in that fat, it's going to bring it into the system. And now you have more vitamin A floating around in the system. Hmm. The sun will break down vitamin A in the skin. I, I, I did a whole article on my research form showing that the symptoms of sun poisoning and vitamin A toxicity, acute vitamin A toxicity, are exactly the same. Here's a funny little comparison we can do. The most well-known symptom of acute vitamin A poisoning is, that happens after the fact, days after the fact, is skin peeling. Your skin will just peel right off. So you've heard of something related to the sun where your skin will peel off, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, these symptoms are all related. So, But the detox thing, okay, let me give you the biggest example that we see from people who are getting things right, who are doing things right, and they're getting things right. We will actually see in the, in the bathroom, I mean, I'm going to talk about poop here, so if you're, if you're squeamish, you know, you may want to tune out, you know, earmuffs, whatever. Um, but uh, we will actually see the poop will be a yellowish color or an orangish color, and if they can't see it in the bowl, they look at the toilet paper and they can see it very obviously there. It's not brown anymore. It is orangish or yellowish. And so if we know the colors of vitamin A and carotenoids, and if we were to say your poop is your natural way of detoxing, and we see the poop actually change color, we can we have we have visual evidence. I mean, is somebody going to say, "Have you analyzed the poop for vitamin A content?" And I'll say, "No, I'm sorry, I haven't done that." So, yet. so in the first six months, you want to see some of these signs. Basically, you want to see people getting better, and maybe some of these detox signs. Yeah, I mean, it if they well, it, I mean, it depends on how how bad they are when they come. Because I, I I'm pretty sure Grant. What he's relayed to me was like in the first year, he felt so bad. He, he just felt bad from, he felt bad before, he felt bad while he was doing it. He said he couldn't tell if he was improving or not. Wow, in the first year. Yeah. So he, but he kept with it. And maybe he noticed some little things here and there, some little signposts that was like, oh, this is a little better. Or maybe the eczema is not acting up as much. Or maybe his kidney tests improved a bit. And so he he stuck with it. He stayed the course. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure that in that first year, he didn't have a, a ton of encouraging signs. Okay. They were probably few and far between, but they were probably there. And thank goodness he stuck with it. But but what we're doing now, well, with what there's there's the things that people can do on their own, which is, you know, if they do Grant's thing, they're basically that Grant's concept was really just to reduce the vitamin A intake to as little as possible. I figured out, I, I tend to be very systematic and figure out as many options as I can to improve things. Um, I've been doing this like all my life and we can make it too fast. Yeah. We can, we can overwhelm the system and I'm constantly having to rein people back up. So, so I'm the guy saying, don't detox so fast. Like as opposed to, you know, maybe Wilson's people who are like, do more, do more. And I'm like, whoa, like pull the brakes. 
this, you will feel better. I tell people you'll feel better if you pull back on the detox a bit. You don't need to go so fast or you're just going to feel bad. So I'm the guy saying this is very real. Like they'll, they'll, I have people who increase their, their, their specific fibers and some people, this is how, you know, some people increase their, their fibers that I suggest to them and they, they can't even do like a pinch of a, of a supplemental fiber because that starts them detoxing too much. And it's, it's really impressive. And these people are usually the types who have either really poisoned themselves with vitamin A, like cod liver oil or supplements, or especially Accutane. Um, if people don't know who are listening, Accutane is simply the, what they call a, an active form of vitamin A. But, uh, you know, it's so active that there's actually petitions out there to add a black box warning to Accutane that it causes um, post-retinoid sexual dysfunction where people sometimes lose the ability to feel their genitals. Oh, my. Yeah, they, they lose all their sexual function. They can even get a numbness down there. It's really, really bad. Okay. You know, it's it's really interesting, the stuff you mentioned about detox. I'm, I'm reading this book right now called Toxic. Uh, which is about the shoemaker protocol and mold and lime and all that stuff. And and so they're, they're detoxing people. And one of the things that the doctor in there says, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but one of the things he says is in all of his patients, being aggressive and pushing it to the point where people feel bad always set them back. Meaning the whole concept that a detox should feel bad is in some ways flawed. You don't want a detox to feel bad. You want to take, you know, whatever you're t- whatever binder you're taking or, or beans or whatever it is, you want to take the amount that doesn't make you feel bad, but that you can tolerate and then slowly increase that and you will feel better and better and better and better. Whereas this whole idea of like, okay, you just got to load up on the beans and then, you know, you're going to feel really crappy for, you know, the next month, but then it'll get you through it. It doesn't actually work like that no well part of the thing is is we have no idea how much they have stored so you're starting out like a a journey on a highway and you don't know how far you have to drive and so when people start out too fast oftentimes the people who start out who have the least patience with it are the people who have been sick the sickest the longest Hmm. and so they have no patience left and so they're like i just want to get this done i'll suffer more for a bit longer and then I'll be through it. And you go, well, you don't know how long you have to go. That's one of the things I'm telling people now is I'm saying, you came to me because you were suffering, right? You're here because of what you're already experiencing. If you could take it, you wouldn't be here talking to me. So why are you going to go and aggravate it so much that it's, it's even worse? Yeah. It's really like, I mean, detox of... I mean, when people have symptoms from vitamin A toxicity, their symptoms are actually from the vitamin A in their tissue. So they're, in a way, they're, they're trying to detox already. And then here's, this is something, this is a concept that's very, very important, is detoxing, the, the, the detox, uh, what am I trying to say? The detox mode versus the storage mode. So think about this. Think you have 100 cells. I'm just making a simple round number, a hundred cells in your body. Those cells at any, each one of those cells at any one time is going to be either in detoxing or dumping vitamin A mode, or it's going to be in storing vitamin A mode. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
So let's say when somebody is eating a normal, normal vitamin A complete, you know, full of vitamin A diet. Well, let's say that 60% of their cells are in storage mode and 40% of them are in detox mode. So they're storing away enough of it. Maybe they don't feel too bad. Maybe they're doing okay. Maybe they've got several health problems, but then they go on to the, and, well, I'm let, sorry, let me back up. The, the distinction between how many are in storage and how many are in detox is determined by how much vitamin A somebody's eating or consuming because people can put it on their skin and retinol creams. Mm. They, can, they can get it all sorts of ways. So the more you're taking in, the more you'll be in storage mode. The more you are not taking in, the cells start trying to get rid of it. So then if you stop eating vitamin A, let's say all of a sudden 90 of those cells turn into dumping or detoxing and 10 of those cells are in storage mode. All of a sudden, you're just having a ton more come out into the system. And if your liver can't handle it with the dehydrogenase system, or if you're not getting the right stuff to help you poop it out, some, some people might call them binders. I, yeah, the thing, but anyway, so maybe they're not getting enough. And so then it just circulates in their system again. Hmm. And then they think they're they're detoxing, but they're they're just recycling it. This was the biggest thing was figuring out how to short circuit the recycling. That's where people's problems are. And that's where the people who are trying to do this all on their own with just a low vitamin A diet are often missing the boat and wondering why they got worse. Um, yeah. And then when they when they start eating vitamin A foods again, they go, oh, well, I felt better. They went right back into storage mode. They just shoved it out of the blood into the liver. So now that we now that we know this stuff, it all starts to make sense, and we can we can tweak it now. I want to say one more thing about the mold. Yeah. One one of the biggest problems that I see with mold, or let, let me give two examples: mold or mercury fillings. Right? Mold. If you're breathe, if you're living in mold, or if you have mercury fillings in your mouth. And then you go to a practitioner who then starts saying, we need to detox you from the mold. Look at here at your blood test. You obviously have mold in your blood test. Or look at your blood test or urine test. You obviously have mercury in you from these fillings. If their highest priority first is not to reduce or eliminate, completely eliminate really, the source of exposure if you try to detox somebody while they are still being exposed to the toxin, you will only make them feel bad. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, you got to stop it from coming in before you start worrying about it going out. Well, it's, I, I kind of call it a detox loop, but, but it's, it's very much, if you're detoxing it, you're dumping it from the cells, where does it go? It goes into the blood. You'll always hear me come back to the blood. It goes into the blood. But then if you're being exposed to it, it's coming in and where's it going? It's going into the blood. Hmm. So now you have this double load of toxin in your blood, and this is when people go into quote-unquote detoxing things like mold or mercury, and they feel even worse than they did before, which is not the way it should be. If they simply got rid of the mold source or they got rid of the amalgam fillings, that is like – it's not just half the battle like G.I. Joe says. It's not just knowing it's half the battle. It's like <laughs> getting rid of it is like 90% of the battle. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because then you're – your body's own detox mechanisms can come on and start working again. So a lot of what I do is trust in the body. We are trusting that the body knows what to do 
when we give it the right nutrients and we help get rid of the sources of the toxicity. Yeah. One, one thing I wanted to ask you about was you did a video not too long ago um, that talked about, I think it looked at cadavers and it, it tested the vitamin yeah. A levels in their liver. Can you just touch real quick on, on what that study was, uh, what they well, found? Well, it, it was multiple studies. It was, it was multiple studies. There was, um, let me, let me, oh, I, w- I want to find it on my, um, on my email, on my drive now. Yeah, you can if you uh, like. I, I can also put the, the thing in the show notes. There it is. Now I have it under vitamin A toxicity liver biopsy papers. Okay, so these were, these were papers done over the years, and they found cadavers. They, a lot of them tried to find, you know, a mixture of people who died of accidental causes and people who died of chronic disease. So they kind of got a mixture so people couldn't just say, well, they obviously died of chronic disease, so they have more vitamin A or they have less vitamin A or whatever they were trying to prove in the study. So they, they did it in different countries. And the most recent one, I always like to go over the American one first because this is the most recent one and it is the most damning. So they, they had 27 cadavers died of various causes. Nine of the 27 by liver biopsy had diagnosable vitamin A toxicity by the gold standard test, which is liver biopsy. So blood tests for vitamin A toxicity are not very good. I use the serum vitamin A, the blood retinol test, because it's the best tool I have and I've I've kind of figured out how it can be used and the limitations of that tool. But liver biopsy is the gold standard. So anyway, what fully one third of the cadavers, so you could extend that to the population of America, most likely of, of adults, one third, one out of every three people you meet is diagnosable vitamin A toxin. Mm. Um, the World Health Organization uses a 20% prevalence of something to define a severe public health concern. So this is technically, <laughs> if you wanted to call it a pandemic, you could. Um, it's, it's everywhere. It's not just an epidemic in one area. So let's go to some other things what I found. What do we have? Um, oh, I had one in Singapore. Singapore in uh, 1988. They had uh, Chinese, so, so they had different ethnic groups in Singapore. So this is not just to say, so it wasn't just Americans. They had Chinese Singapore folks. 26 of them were vitamin A toxic. Indians in Singapore, 17% of them were vitamin A toxic. Malaysians in Singapore, 30% of them were vitamin A toxic. Wow. Caucasian, Caucasian and European people in Singapore, 44% of the ones they tested were vitamin A toxic. So that was 88. I have, a, I have two papers from 1963 and 1967 from Ghana. And when you hear about Africa... If you if you pay attention to vitamin A in Africa, everything about Africa is they're so deficient. They need vitamin A. It's killing people. They need vitamin A. Yeah. 1963 and 1967 studies both showed 50% of the people in those studies were vitamin A toxic. This is exactly why the blood tests, they're not totally useless, but for most purposes in research, and in and the way most doctors will look at them, vitamin A blood tests are almost completely useless in that context. And this has been stated in multiple papers. They keep they keep doing blood tests for vitamin A, and they keep saying it's not really that helpful. But yet they keep doing it because 
doing liver biopsies, they talk about the ethical problems of doing it. Yeah. You know, with a live person, I mean. Yeah. This is just not a new problem. I mean, 1963 and 1967, it's, it's going on. They, they, there was one paper on mango, mango season. I forget which African country it was, but they were saying in mango season, they could actually see on these African kids that their palms and the soles of their feet would turn orange in mango season. And what they could say is that when they did the, the liver, they did a blood test, but it's a radioactive isotope to, of, of vitamin A to keep track of it. They could actually say that when their hands and feet turned orange was about when they hit the diagnosable level of vitamin A toxicity in their liver. So what I tell people is if you've ever been orange or yellow from fruits or vegetables or supplements, guaranteed vitamin A toxicity. So anyway, but, but that's the, that's the, so, so one of the obvious, um, you know, epidemics, pandemics, whatever you want to call it right now is obesity. And there is some yeah. evidence between vitamin A and weight gain. So can you talk to that a little bit? Oh gosh. I mean, not without going into my whole, I did a whole video on it on YouTube. Okay, cool. We can put that in the show notes um, for sure. It's, it's crazy. Grant did a, uh, Grant did a great graph where he took two different studies. One was in serum retinol. I think it was in South Korea, I want to say. Um, but he, he plotted from two different studies, serum retinol, so blood vitamin A with age, and BMI with age. Those curves almost exactly overlapped each other. And the serum retinol climbed with age. It was just wild. And I have another, I have a study on Egyptian men and uh, I think it was South Korean women where they could correlate um, higher uh, as the serum retinol, as the blood vitamin A went higher, they had things like more estrogen, lower testosterone and uh, higher BMI, higher waist measurements. It's, it's really stunning. Like it's, it's all of the problems we have here and it's all explained, you know, if you look at the vitamin A lens, the vitamin A angle, it all starts to explain. Yeah, have you, uh, yeah, have you had some of your patients, uh, like lose weight from, from doing low vitamin A? Um, some people have, some people notice it very quickly. Some people, it seems to take longer. Like I said earlier, the, the subcutaneous fat was the studies were saying it could take like two to three years to empty that out. Mm. So that for some people it happens fast for some people it seems to take longer actually here's a fun one here's a really fun one autoimmunity right that's a big topic yeah i have case studies from the literature showing that different people have had autoimmunity in different organ systems so i pretty much have every organ system of the body represented here have gotten induced autoimmunity from taking Accutane. Mm. So you can look at gut autoimmunity. There, there's celiac. You can look at Hashimoto's. You can look at skin disease, skin autoimmune disease. It's it's all there. I, I got a paper just the other day. It was it was about how autoimmune diabetes. So basically, type one diabetes was induced in a gentleman from taking. Accutane. And what the, the authors tried to say was this guy obviously had latent autoimmunity that was exposed by Accutane. Mm. Like this is, this is the damage control they do. I don't know why they can't just say it gave him autoimmunity. 
but they're going to try to say that he had some latent problem that was activated by this obviously essential nutrient. Um, essential nutrients don't trigger autoimmunity. That's the key thing. The only defense that people would have against vitamin A was they'd say, well, it's Accutane. It's not natural. It's not naturally occurring in the body. And they say, well, here's the other papers showing that it is. That 13 cis retinoic acid is completely, it is, there was a paper that um, 13 endogenous, 13 cis retinoic acid is an endogenous retinoid in human urine. So they were finding it in people's pee who were not taking Accutane. Well, one of one of the things I love about you know your posts and stuff that you write is is you do have to put your money where your mouth is. You know you, the people you're treating your clients. If you don't get it right, they suffer, and you know it's not like you're probably taking insurance or anything like that. You know you're you're getting uh, you have skin in the game, as they say. So, how do the different modalities that you practice, like the hair mineral testing, the blood testing, how does it fit in with this low vitamin A diet? Oh, it's um. Gosh, it, it was, well, the, the hair analysis was how I, part of how I came to figure out that the, the vitamin A was a problem because I, I started to figure that, well, so here's what I did on those women who had high calcium on the hair test. When I learned about the vitamin A toxicity, the first thing I did was I was like, wait, maybe these women are vitamin A toxic. What does vitamin A do to calcium in the body? Really? What does it really do? I thought, does it cause hypercalcemia, like high blood calcium? which would then translate in over time, high blood calcium would translate into high hair calcium. So I go and I look in the, the one of the most common lab registrable um, symptoms of vitamin A toxicity, hypervitaminosis A is hypercalcemia. People could go and search hypervitaminosis A, hypercalcemia. So I figured that these women were already vitamin A toxic. And this can happen very easily because a lot of women use vitamin A in their skin products. Um, but so then I told them, I'm like, you need to get off of this. The, the money where my mouth is, I mean, one of the things that I will do that other, other practitioners and other people in all sorts of fields are not, they don't always have the gumption to do is if I'm wrong, I will admit it. And I will say, I need you to like, I, I believe me, I was the guy testing vitamin D in my office. And then when I figured out it was not okay to take with supplements, and just so, so people who haven't heard me talk about vitamin D supplements, go look up this product, Terra D3 Block. So it's spelled T-E-R-A-D, the number three, and then the next word is B-L-O-X, Terra D3 Blocks. These are blocks of rat poison made of vitamin D3, the supplement. They use these when the normal rat poison, Coumadin Warfarin that people talk about, people will be like, I don't want to take Coumadin or Warfarin because that's rat poison. And I say, oh, you should hear about D3. Um, they give that to the rats when the coumadin or warfarin doesn't work anymore. So vitamin D3 is a step up in murder of rats. <laughs> like it's the next level that they go to. So anyway, um, but I had, to, I had to go and anybody who came into my office after that, I had to tell them, are you still on vitamin D? And they'd say, yeah. I'd say, you need to stop that right now. And we need to, we need to start working on getting, getting your magnesium up getting this out of you and, and fixing what was going on. And of course, of course I had some people who immediately said, well, wait, you did something that wasn't okay to me and they didn't come back. Hmm. But I, I'm, I'm like, you know, you can, you can do that. You can kill the messenger. You know, people do that. They do that all the time. Um, when I was doing vitamin A, I had to come to people and say, stop, stop the vitamin A. Don't take it anymore. 
Yeah. You, and some people would be like, yeah, I kind of, I kind of was noticing I didn't feel great when I took it and I wasn't quite sure if I should stop taking it. And then I'll, then I remind them, I'd say, if anything I ever give you makes you feel bad, you are to stop it and tell me. I say, look, not everything works for everybody. If something makes you feel bad, I want you to tell me because it gives me more insight into what's going on in your system. You're not in trouble. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I tend to do things a bit differently than most practitioners out there. And I, I, I don't know how or why I, I do it this way. I just look at it as the, the truth is the most important thing in what we're doing. And when we can, when we can figure out the facts and the truth and people will say, well, vitamin A, everybody knows it's a, it's an essential vitamin. I'll say, well, yeah, you remember doctors when they used to push um, tobacco, right? As a good thing for you. And maybe, maybe they were wrong. And maybe this is the biggest, I don't want to call it a fraud, but it's the biggest mistake ever made in nutritional medicine. I mean, the vitamin D3 supplements are a pretty bad one, but I don't think they compare to the vitamin A debacle. Wow. And, and are most so, of these people who come to you, your clients, are they coming for the vitamin A or are they coming for other stuff? <laughs> well, since, I, since my practice is mostly, is nearly all online, um, most of them are, are hearing about me from the vitamin A stuff. You know, some people are coming to me from, you know, somebody in the Weston A price group where they like to practically drink cod liver oil. And, you know, somebody's still hanging around there. They're not doing the cod liver oil. They're not doing all the crazy amounts of dairy. And they'll see somebody suffering and they'll say, they might send them a private message. And they're like, go talk to Dr. Garrett Smith. Or uh, there might be somebody in the Accutane. Some of the Accutane groups have started referring people to me. Um, a lot of people are just, you know, there's, there's different groups around the internet where people are throwing my name around and once in a while when there's, when there's, I mean, what my work requires of people is it requires people who are open-minded. It requires people who understand that they have to be invested in their health process. I, I'm not going to give them a magic supplement and make them better, which is what a lot of people hope for. They don't want to do any work. They just want to take the magic pill. So I need people who are open-minded, willing to do the work, willing to learn about concepts because you can't have a magical recipe for every situation, right? You can't just go buy something, you know, you go to buy something in the store and you need to be able to read the ingredients and know the concepts of what you're looking to avoid or what you're trying to get. So they have to learn concepts and then they got to be willing to, you know, pay a little bit of money for it. Which I mean, and when I say a little bit of money, I, I'm one of the lowest priced naturopathic doctors I know because I, I want this work to get out there. And when you're trying to sell something that goes against all the mainstream, it's it's pretty tough to convince people if you got a high price tag. Yeah, you so, are. You're very affordable. There, there's some functional docs here in Arizona who, I mean, it's like two thousand dollars just to walk in the door. I mean, it's ridiculous. Right. Yeah, and I'm way below that for the whole, you know, that, that might be just the labs when you leave. Um, but yeah, to, uh, to get to me with, with the hair test and the blood tests and the consult and the email support that I give and the access to the vitamin A detox program and all that stuff together. When people, when people who know the prices of what they're looking at and what the values of them are, I I'm, I'm kind of like my dad. My dad was a very reasonable dentist and people tended to, uh, People didn't leave his practice. They died first. Hmm. Um, that was the kind of dentist nice. he was. So 
I think it was because he was honest and, and it's hard to find honest dentists. Yeah. Well, one, one thing I like to ask my guests uh, is in general, I mean, we've talked about the vitamin D, but in general, what health advice do you hear out there all the time that's just plain wrong in your opinion? Oh, gosh. I mean, we've talked about the vitamin D. We know, obviously, vitamin A. Um, but, you know, you hear stuff all the time. Uh, gosh, I think one guest was uh, eat less, exercise more, you know, and the the guest was like, you know, that's just a terrible, terrible advice. So something along those lines. See, that this, this is, I'll be honest, this is difficult for me because everything I do has to have context. And that's why when I have people who are having trouble with other approaches and they come to me and I give the context to what they're doing, and I say what you were doing was wrong because of the context. So like for somebody, eat less, exercise more might be good for one person. Yeah. During, during, you know, the, during these quarantine times, for a lot of people, eating less and exercising more would probably be a really good idea, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people are sitting at home eating and not exercising. Um, but for other people who are already under eating and over exercising, that would be the diametrically wrong um, approach what I, I guess I'll, I'll couch it in terms of let's just say the vitamin d stuff okay never try to get vitamin d by mouth you get either sunlight or uvb light some source of uvb and you make sure you are getting enough magnesium i prefer topical forms of magnesium i say they i, I believe they work about 10 times better than any pill and, and here's the other, the last thing on the vitamin D thing is if you have chronically low vitamin D levels that are extremely difficult to raise, even with supplementation or with sun, that is a dead giveaway for vitamin A toxicity. Because you can go in the literature and find that vitamin A and vitamin D are antagonistic. They have an inverse relationship. Vitamin A goes up, vitamin D goes down. If vitamin A goes down, vitamin D will go up by itself. So those three things on the vitamin, vitamin D thing, don't take supplements, get some sunlight or UVB on skin as much as you are able to tolerate. So if some, I have some people who are super vitamin A toxic, they say like a minute of sun and they feel awful. Well, you could try going in the shade. You could try 10 seconds mm. of sun. You could try something small that is, you know, baby steps. It doesn't have to be, you know, I had one woman, she, she, I told her the sunlight or UVB and she overzealously jumped in. And next thing I know, I'm talking to her a month later because she wanted to do a consult with me because she wasn't feeling good. She was going to a tanning bed for 36 minutes a week. Wow. And I told her like eight minutes a week. This is what I learned from Alaskan doctors. Up in Alaska, the doctors will often say, Eight minutes of tanning beds a week is all you need to maintain good vitamin D levels. You could do it as two four-minute blocks. You could do one eight-minute block. And for people who think that tanning beds are just the devil's creation and they're the most horrible thing on earth, I highly suggest they go read, go to the website, thetanningguru.com. Thetanningguru.com because he completely obliterates all the nonsense about tanning beds being so bad that people that that people think they are that they've been taught to think they're terrible i'm not i don't do tanning beds i live in tucson arizona i don't need them but for the people who live in areas of the country where they need some sort they don't get sunlight 
Um, you can get a UVB lamp, a spurty tanning bulb for your countertop. You can get, you know, tanning beds work, but the tanningguru.com, he's the guy, he does a lot like what I do in terms of blowing apart, um, urban myths, urban legends And he does it in the tanning world in the sun world. So I really like his stuff, Okay, but, uh, but those things around vitamin D and vitamin D connect completely connects to vitamin A. So yeah, that's, yeah. So I don't, don't be afraid of the sun. That would be it. So I, I don't have a ton of more questions. Is there anything else you wanted to cover before we, I don't know, start to wrap this up? I mean, I could go all day, but you know, we don't need that right <laughs> now. Um, I can give people an easy list if they wanted to reduce their vitamin A intake without making drastic changes. Sure. That sounds good. So this is the easy, this is the easy food vitamin A list. Now I'm not talking about like if you're using retinol in your skin creams or, you know, you're taking multivitamins that have vitamin A. Now I'm not talking about that right now, but what I'm talking about is the foods. There's basically, I believe there's four main groups where vitamin A foods tend to fit in. There's four animal foods and four plant colors. So we have in the um, animal world, dairy in general, we have um, eggs, egg yolks. Egg yolks are the part that's high in vitamin A. That's why they're yellow. We have um, pork, but mainly pork fat. Uh, researchers discovered something that they used to call lard factor in pork fat, which they later figured out was vitamin A. And uh, what was the last one? Oh, I'll come back to it. Liver? Was it liver? Organs? If, oh, liver. Yeah, organ meats. Liver. Yeah, don't eat liver or organ meats. I can't believe I forgot that one. My gosh. Anyway, so then we go to the anim- the plant world. It's really colors. And so when I'm talking about colors here, I'm talking about the part that you are actually eating. So I'll give some examples. Don't eat yellows or oranges. And when I say oranges, I mean the color. Orange color. How could you eat, you know, what's what's the, what am I mean by eat? Don't eat the yellow part, but if there was a white part of it, you could eat it. Think of like summer squash, right? Summer squash is all white on the inside and it's yellow. It's got a yellow Mm. skin. So if you were to peel the yellow skin off and you ate the white interior, that would be fine. Okay. Okay? So what I'm, when I'm talking about colors here, I'm talking about the part that you actually eat. Um, So avoid yellows in the plant world, orange, orange color in the plant world, which would include oranges. Um, most reds, and what I mean by most reds, I'm talking about tomatoes, bell peppers. If you're not sure about it, berries are generally pretty okay. If it's a berry or something berry-like, you're generally okay. So like strawberry. Strawberries, raspberries, cherries get a little a little high, but I'm talking about like these are big, easy steps that people can take in their diets. So there's going to be mistakes because we're going huge generalizations yeah. here, mm-hmm. right? But like tomatoes and bell peppers, those are ones you want to get rid of, not only for the vitamin A thing, but the nightshade problem with inflammation. Uh, Then we get into the last color is dark greens. So everybody likes to say that dark leafy greens are so good for you. And I say those are the worst. So this would be like spinaches, kales, other greens, like collard greens, the dark green vegetables. And if you're not sure if it's dark green or not, it's probably dark enough that you want to skip it. So that's, that's basically the simple diet list of the major foods 
that if you avoided those, you would probably be reducing the vitamin A in your daily diet by like 90%, a 95% maybe from where it's at right now. Wow. Um, so, so, and then, and then smells, things that tend to smell a lot, things that tend to smell a lot are full of aldehydes often. Aldehydes put more load on your vitamin A detox system because they have to go through the same aldehyde dehydrogenase system. So they, they are going to slow down the vitamin A detox. So generally the things that are the, the brightest in color and the smelliest in terms of foods are often the things you want to minimize. All right. That's good to know. Which, which goes totally against what everybody thinks is good, right? More colors, the better, the more it smells, the more nutritious it is, whatever. It's just, it's not true. So can you, you tell the audience what services you offer and how they can contact you if people are interested in working with you? Sure. I will try to cover it succinctly. Um, my website where people can go if they want to work with me on what I call nutritional restoration, which is where with the consults and the hair testing and the blood testing and that kind of stuff is uh, nutrition restored with a D at the end dot uh, com nutrition restored dot com. And if you ever want have questions about what we're doing and you want to contact my lovely office manager, Julie, um, her email is admin at nutritionrestored.com. Again, that's admin at nutritionrestored.com. The, um, the vitamin A detox program is located inside my own little social network um, run by Mighty Networks. It is The website for that is nutrition-restored, so the dash symbol, nutrition-restored.mn, which stands for Mighty Networks, dot C-O, not.com. So okay. it's nutrition-restored.mn.co. And that's where if you, if you, the network is a paid network to get in, but that includes the detox program. I do that because it helps keep out the trolls. Basically there's a lot of trolls out there on this topic and I just don't have any time to deal with them. So the detox program is the do it. The, the detox program on the network is the, the do it yourself Version. Yeah, and I, I definitely have to plug that one because I, I have that, and it is great. I mean, for the value, you get all these write-ups on what you can and can't eat, and you—I mean, it's it's a great value for what you get. Well, thank you. I I try to try to make things that way. So, yeah, those are the those are the main things. I mean, inside the network, I have stuff like that private video group where people who want me to answer questions like live on video, I do that once a week, and then Grant joins me once a month um, for one of those. My Facebook is uh, facebook.com slash doctor as teacher uh, and then the end slash. Um, that's where I've posted a lot of stuff over the years and uh, that's how a lot of people came to find me. And I think that is about it. I mean, if people want it, we're going to be starting, we're going to be announcing a uh, some new lab packages here in the next day or two about like a liver health assessment panel with some research-based um, calculators that they can go use them on. I was going to ask you that, you know, what, uh, are you putting any books out or, or what, what's new that you're, you know, working on right now? So what I'm, what I'm trying to do right now is I'm, I'm working on, I activated the blog on my website, which has some old blogs in it. But what I'm, what my plan is now is one of the blog posts is to simply be a giant table of contents. And then I'm going to do blog posts on like example would be, here is um, 
the, the reality that every piece of vitamin A you eat, carotenoids and all that stuff, turns into the same retinoic acids as Accutane, Retin-A and all that stuff. The next one will be, here's multiple studies for the people who think that vitamin A that you eat in natural foods is somehow safer or not as damaging as vitamin A that you get in supplements or pharmaceuticals. I have studies directly showing that that is not true. Um, I'll probably put the information from my YouTube videos on things like we talked about obesity on the epidemic, you know, the research showing that vitamin A toxicity in the liver is at epidemic levels. Um, I'm just going to try to convert everything into blogs. I heard, I heard somebody say something, uh, the other day that was, you know, things that people tend to put things that aren't true on YouTube, because if you write them, then it, it, it has to be more true. It's, it's all, they were just trying to justify and saying like anybody can say anything on YouTube, which is absolutely true. And that's why when I, when I do my videos, I always post the Google slideshow that has the hyperlinked references directly to the papers that I'm quoting because I don't want anybody to accuse me of that, but I can take those videos and those Google slideshows and turn those into blog posts. So I'm going to try to make it, I thought about doing a wiki, my own wiki on vitamin A toxicity, but I just don't think I have the time to do that. Um, yeah. But that's, that's the next project. The next project is the big, the blogs where it can be, you know, followed along. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think that's a, that's probably a good place to, to stop. I, I just love this subject. I mean, I can't wait to see what's going to happen in a year, you know, what other things we're going to learn as people, you know, continue to kind of grapple with this. And I, I think it's just really, it's one of the most cutting edge things. And I'm so thankful to you for really kind of diving in and doing the experiments because that's really what it's all about. It's, it's, you know, we can all kind of look at the papers and be like, oh yeah, this, this looks like it makes sense. But somebody who actually does the experiments and has clients and stuff. I, I think that's really valuable to everybody. So thank you for doing that. You are welcome. I couldn't, I, I, I don't know what I'd be doing if I wasn't doing what I was doing. Great. Well, thanks so much, <laughs> Dr. Garrett Smith. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. What I like about Dr. Smith and uh, this interview is he tends to make really bold predictions and recommendations and then admit that he's wrong if they don't turn out to be correct. I, I, maybe it's just a personal thing, but I, I really respect someone who makes a recommendation, who puts themselves on the line and then, you know, lives or dies by the outcome. I, I really respect that. And so that's something I really like about Dr. Smith. Um, I've actually uh, seen him several times, you know, come out with an explanation for something and make a strong recommendation on it and then later come back and say, hey, that wasn't right. Just like he mentioned with the vitamin D and the vitamin A and all that stuff. So I will have all the links in the show notes if you're interested. Uh, help me out by using my Amazon affiliate link to shop on uh, Amazon. It's super easy. You just go to quackspodcast.com. You click on the banner on the right-hand side, it takes you to Amazon and you go about your shopping normally. If you get value from the show, it super helps me just keep it going with hosting services and that kind of thing. I hope everyone is going to have a wonderful 4th of July coming up this weekend and I'll talk to you soon. Be well.